He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we have a big show to get into today. We're talking about the Hero World Challenge. What were our thoughts on Tiger Woods? Then after the break, we're going to break down the rumors and not necessarily even rumors anymore about John Rahm going to live. So stay with us after the break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf. Fellas, I hope you had a great week this week. I definitely did. And the best thing that happened to me this week was I got to watch Tiger Woods play golf T-Dub, I'll let you start it off. What were your thoughts on the Big Cat this week at the Hero World Challenge? It was absolutely beautiful to see. I was actually thinking about it, and I said, when's the last time we got to come on and do a recap show after Tiger had played 72 holes? And it's going all the way back to the Genesis last year in February. And then even before that, it was the 2022 Masters since he had played a full 72-hole tournament. So it's something that we Tiger fans had been used to over the last 18 months or so. And it was good to see him just go out there, look like he was not necessarily in control of things, which is something that you would expect for someone who hasn't played a full competitive tournament in as many months as he has. But for what we wanted to see him being healthy, he had a few signs of grimaces walking out of bunkers and things like that. But overall, his health looked pretty good. His driver swing looked really good. He was actually one of the top this week in the field and off the tee. I believe he was fourth in strokes gain off the tee this week. So that was a good thing to see. It looks like Maybe the right leg having to keep it a little bit more stable and not jump at it so much. Maybe something that's beneficial for his long game. Unfortunately, his irons, he was worse in the field this week in strokes gained approach, which is something that's the exact opposite of what you expect to see from Tiger Woods. And then only one person in the field was worse with a putter this week, which was Will Zalatoris, which isn't necessarily saying much. So the health looked good, Woody. The driver swing looked good. The rest of it are clearly signs that you haven't played golf in a while, which hopefully he'll be able to play enough to get that rust off. But at least right now, it was, for most Tiger fans, I would con- I would consider it a at least 80% encouraging turn. I, I agree totally with you, T-Dub. Um, I guess the one thing I saw that I'm not shocked at, which Sam has said over and over again, and I've always told you guys, one of the things that I always struggled with is every time I qualified for that senior PGA, it was in May. Well, the problem with it being in May, guess what? I ain't gotten to play any golf tournaments. And so I went right to a major Hadn't played any golf tournaments. Mental mistake after mental mistake. That's what I saw from him today, uh, this past weekend. I got to tell you guys, though, when I think of how few rounds he has played, literally how few a tournament rounds he has played over the last two years, I'm not disappointed the fact that his mental game wasn't there. I, I think he can get that back, but he has to play. He has to play more than once a month, like he's saying, if he can. But Overall, I was very impressed with his golf swing. I really was. I thought that there was a lot of things he did that was really good, uh, especially driving the ball, like you said, T-Dub. Iron play was not that sharp, but that's okay. Um, I was very encouraged. That's all I'll tell you. 
I was encouraged too, Woody, and what did I say last week? I said this is the first step in Tiger Woods' comeback. And the thing about it, guys, is what we say last week would be a successful week. We all said the first thing that would be a successful week for Tiger Woods is him to finish 72 holes and for him to not look injured. And to me, he did not look injured. It was the best we've seen him since the car accident, health-wise. Now, fellas, I'm not going to get super optimistic on Tiger actually competing to win major championships again or even, you know, regular PGA Tour tournaments again until he is able to play enough competitive rounds to get those little mental mistakes out. Like he he bogeyed a hole from 109. He had some three putts. You know, it's just little mistakes, straightforward chip shots, chipping it to 20 feet, stuff you can't do and compete to win on a high level, especially not against guys like Scotty Scheffler shooting 20 under for four rounds. So guys, I would say that I am encouraged by this week, but if he's only going to play what he said, five to six tournaments a year, that's not enough for Tiger Woods to fix some of these, you know, mental mistakes that he's making. Just because he's Tiger Woods doesn't mean that he can just, you know, pick the clubs up and compete to win tournaments. You have to get competitive rounds under your belt. And it's little course management things, little mental mistakes, not executing at the right time. And I need to see more competitive rounds. The more competitive rounds for Tiger Woods, the better. But can his body hold up for all the competitive rounds you need to be able to compete at a high level? I'm encouraged that he's somewhat healthy. Now, it's still he still did have the limp. But he, look, I mean, off the tee, fellas, like you said, on the week, he almost gained a full shot off the tee. But he lost a full shot on the greens, lost over a half a shot around the greens and almost lost a shot and a half for the event per round strokes gained approach. You cannot do that stuff and compete to win golf tournaments. I think the only way we see Tiger Woods compete and be in contention to win another golf tournament is if he plays eight times a year at minimum. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, Sam. One of the things you saw this last week from Tiger is, for anyone, like especially like, like all of us now who used to play a lot more than we do now, we go out and try to play. We'll do a lot of things that, like, we'll hit the ball a little bit better than we score. And it's like, like Sam was alluding to, you have the standard chip shot and you chip it to eight feet and the miss the putt when you should chip it to four feet and make it. You do things like that. There's just over the course of a 72 tournament makes that score add up abundantly. Just for comparison, we're all really high. Uh, Tiger played. He was one of only three players not shoot under arm for the tournament. I said coming in week, if he finished top 15 or better, I thought that would have been encouraging. He finished 18 for the tournament. So like I said, I'm kind of looking at the, what my eyes showed me at least from overall perspective. Other things that I want to note is that his ball speed numbers were still very high. He got upwards of 180 at times, which is for a 48-year-old man dealing with all the injuries that he has, it's literally a miracle that he's able to do that. And we saw the pictures going around on social media of him showing up with uh, with the cutoff shirt and the arm just looking jacked. So we know that he's not scared to do the bench press, and, and he's been in the gym. That's been noted by a lot of players. So that's a good sign. Then also, too, we talked about this at this press conference, you can just tell by the sound in his voice that he sounds optimistic. And after some rounds, you can tell he's a little bit fatigued, but yet he still had that encouraging sign that he knew that things were going in the right direction. And that is the number one thing that I'm encouraged by, Woody, is that Tiger believes in himself, which is something that we know that he's always done. But at this stage of the game, that he still believes in himself is a, is a sign that he's going to do it until he can't do it no more. Amen to that, brother. I, I will say this, though, guys. He made 16 birdies this week, okay? 
you know, in fact, he might have made more than he might have made nineteen birdies. Now that I think about it, but he made he made sixteen bogeys and two doubles. <laughs> I think that's what those stats were. Is believe it or not, I think he made nineteen birdies and he made two doubles and sixteen bogeys. Well, you know what that tells me, guys, is just what we said. He's not mentally as sharp as he was back in the good old days, and that's what we're going to have to see again. No doubt about it. I think both you guys are right on the money. Like what he said, you can't be bogeying and double bogeying par fives like Tiger was on that back nine. But let's see. With Tiger Woods, I think it was an encouraging week. I'd give him a B on the week. Most of that is just the fact that he finished 72 holes and he was healthy. We still have to talk about guys real quick. The guy that won the golf tournament, Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, shoots 20 under par for four rounds. First round shoots three under, second round six under, third round seven under, and then he shoots a bogey-free four under par in the final round where he just put on an absolute ball-striking clinic in that final round, gained four shots tee to green, actually lost over three shots on the greens, but that was because he was just striking it so well, putting himself up there, and you know he was just lagging it up there, two-putting, and going along with his business, and fellas, he wins by three shots over Sepp Straka, Justin Thomas, who I said would play nice in this golf tournament. He finishes solo third at 16 under par Scotty Scheffler with the new Olsen putter in the bag this week gets it done and fellas the putting actually did look solid the first three rounds the last round a lot of it was you know just trying to lag it up there win the golf tournament I thought that Scotty Scheffler's game looked phenomenal this week and he obviously loves this golf course Scotty Scheffler winner at the Hero World Challenge what were your thoughts t up exactly like you said Sam just absolutely just striping the golf ball is what he's doing. For the tournament, he gained two and a three-quarters of shots, tee to green. And as you alluded to, the first three rounds, he putted remarkably with that new putter. One thing that's interesting about the new putter is that I think they said it's an inch and a half shorter than the one he was using. So it's allowing his arms to hang down a little bit more, kind of bend over and just feel the putter a little bit more. That's something that I've always been a proponent of, and that's a, obviously it's been a good change. The putter looks just like a Newport 2 does. It's not necessarily some revolutionary technology or anything like that. But whatever it is, He's definitely confident, and he did putt very horribly in the fourth round. But at the end of the day, guys, his ball striking is just so superbly good that it, for the tournament, he gained, he was sixth, I believe, in strokes games putting. So I know it's a very small field, but that's still top 30%. Woody, and with how good a ball striker he is, if he finishes in the top 30% in putting every tournament, he's going to win probably 69% of the time. Well, he'll win a lot. I don't know what the number will be, but but he's not going to be 253rd in putting if he putts like he did this last weekend. And that was what I wanted to see with him. Did he have any kind of good, decent week on the greens? I wanted to see it. The rest of the field's not going to want to see it because if he can get anywhere near as good a putting as he had this week, that ball striking still looks awful good to me, guys. Look out. He's going to be... He's going to be right there again this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's player of the year, and I look for him to win a major. No doubt about it, guys. I mean, we had that conversation a couple weeks ago and said, will Scotty's putter come back 
to the mean and, you know, be a little bit better and then the ball striking stay the same? Or will the ball striking come down from like Tiger Woods prime level ball striking and will the putter stay the same? And it turns out that this week, at least at the Hero World Challenge, the ball striking stayed the same that it was last last year when it was absolutely phenomenal. And the putter got a little bit better. And guess what? His result got a little bit better where those, you know, tied for third, tied for second, you know, 10th place finishes that Scotty Scheffler was having last year. If he can just putt a little bit better like he did this week, he won the golf tournament by three shots. That's how good Scotty Scheffler's ball striking is. The last thing I have on the hero for you guys is we talk about Scheffler's new putter that he puts in the bag. He wins the golf tournament. Will Zalatoris puts a new putter in the bag, the long putter, the sweeper, similar to Bernard Longer, and Will Zalatoris shoots 11 over par. Now, a lot of it had nothing to do with the putter. A lot of it had to do with the ball striking. He lost three and a half shots on the field per round tee to green. So a lot of that did not have to do with the putter, but... Will Zalatoris, a lot of people, big fans, want to see him come back and succeed after the back injury last year. It looks like he has a lot more work to do before we see Willie Z contending in majors again, T-Dub. Oh, yeah, we talk about Tiger having to come back. Willie Z's in the exact same boat, and he's searching for a putter his entire career. So he's going to have that to deal with. The short game wasn't there this week, but this course is notorious for having extremely grainy Bermuda around the greens. A lot of people struggled in that area. So not necessarily something you extremely knocking for, but he's going to have a lot of room to come back. There's no doubt about it. But I do think that he will, assuming that the surgery in his back is able to hold up. But one thing I want to ask you guys while we're still on the hero, and in particular Woody, because he was a former player, we saw a situation on Sunday that I didn't know that was going to ever happen in golf. We had Colin Morikawa getting a two-stroke penalty because of some measurement thing that he used on the practice green. He wrote down some numbers. And then his playing partner, Matthew Fitzpatrick, saw him, look at it, and then called a stroke on him. Woody, what was your thoughts on that whole thing? Boy, I had to read that article. I, I had to read the story, not once, about two or three times, just to try to get a grasp on what the heck they were talking about. I guess this is what's so crazy. How can you have oh, this much of a gray area? Because what they're saying, you can use a level or some types of device to figure out the greens in practice, okay? But then you can't write it down in your yardage book or have it in any notes whatsoever. You've got to remember what each one of these greens or what this, you know, tendency is, whatever the greens do. You know, there's sometimes they say go to a valley or whatever, rivers, whatever. The key I got to it was – you can't write it down anywhere. You cannot have it in your notes anywhere where it is on paper somewhere where your caddy comes up and says, hey, we wrote down our notes this. If you don't remember it with your brain, then you can't use it. So, wow. I mean, you know, what, what it comes back to me, guys, when I sit all along, you shouldn't be able to use a green reading book. You shouldn't be able to do anything but what your eyes see. If you can't figure out how to putt, then go sell something else for a living because you're not a pro golfer. If you can't figure out a green and you can't figure out a slope and you can't figure all that out without some machine to help you, go get another job. And so Morikawa wasn't – I don't think he purposely broke the rules. I, please, I do not think he was cheating. He didn't know the rule very well, obviously, and that's why it cost him two shots. But 
I thought it was kind of funny that Fitzpatrick saw it and called him out on it, okay? So, uh, you know, don't think those guys don't understand they're playing for a lot of money, and uh, nobody wants to see somebody with any kind of advantage, and that's what it came down to. That's why I think Fitzpatrick called it on him. Kalamarakawa said, I, yeah, we did that. I just didn't know I broke the rules, and away they went. Two shots later, you know, he had a bogey and then went to a triple. Yeah, and, and a lot of people harping on Matthew Fitzpatrick for being a narc or whatever you want to call him. I'm on Matthew Fitzpatrick's side on this deal. And by the way, Colin Morikawa should be on Matthew Fitzpatrick's side on this one too because, thank God, he did it to Colin Morikawa in the Hero World Challenge. Imagine if Colin didn't know that rule and it cost him a major championship or something like that in the future. Guys, we've talked about the green reading books, the Stracoline books, Obviously, all the books from back when I was in college or three years ago, whenever they changed the rule, before they changed the rule, the Stracoline books showed every single slope and everything. And basically, the slopes now in these Stracoline books do not go below four. If it's below four, then it is not allowed to be written down in this Stracoline book. And obviously, that goes back to it's totally illegal to trace a Stracoline book into your yardage book. And I I guess Matthew Fitzpatrick saw whatever it was that Colin Morikawa had written down in that yardage book, and it was illegal. And you can't use those levels, whatever you want to call them, to see what the slopes are below four and if you write it down, right? If you write that down, it is illegal. You can use it to remember it, but you cannot write it down in your yardage book. That's illegal. Matthew Fitzpatrick is just protecting the field. Yes, it's the Hero World Challenge. It's you know not necessarily silly season. They're getting official world golf ranking points, but it's not the most serious tournament in the world. But on the same token, they're playing for a million dollars. Matthew Fitzpatrick saw someone breaking the rules and he called it out. I have no problem with what Matthew Fitzpatrick did. I don't either at the end of the day, for sure, because my whole question was when they banned these Stracoline books, I was like, what's going to stop a caddy from going in and just tracing it and just no one knowing that it's there? And it's going to be up to the other players to be able to call them out. So that's, uh, that answered the question that I had there. One thing about this, too, that is very interesting is that so they were actually paired together on Saturday, the ruling came on Sunday when Colin Morikawa was warming up, and they actually took him off of his warm-up to go back into the clubhouse, and Morikawa, they said he'd be there at a certain time, and the rules official was like five minutes late, and that didn't make him very happy. And that's a weird rule to have to transcribe to someone almost hours later after it occurred. So very interesting situation, and I'll just be honest, the encounters I've had with rules officials haven't been very good in the past, so I can't blame the situation that happened here because that's usually how it goes. Well, I think when you get right down to it, anytime you get a, a ruling or you have an official, it can be a very testy situation because I don't think in any way the player thinks he's broken any rules or done anything wrong. So um, you're immediately on the defense when when that official comes up, no matter what it is, when they got video of you or something going on. So the, the simple fact that they pulled him out of his practice, okay, <laughs> which – I just I, I'm I'm always questioning when we do it the day after. I, I don't like at least you didn't get disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard like they used to do to you. But I I don't like I, I'm okay with Matthew Fitzpatrick protecting the field. I'm with you, Sam. That's what their job is doing. Colomar Carlo even said that. 
He said, I, I get it. I'm glad that Fitzpatrick brought it to my attention. But when you're dealing with officials, it, it's like, um, oh, you, you guys probably never been to court, but it's a judge. And that judge usually has rulings that sometimes you aren't fan of, but guess what? He's the judge. And when he says this is what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. So players tend to already have a burr up their behind when they even see an official coming their way. This is not a different situation. The fact that the official was late getting to the locker room even added more tension. So uh, luckily it was Murakawa, not Brooks Kepka. No, no doubt about that. There late with Brooks Kepka. You, you got any good stories really quickly, Woody, about you dealing with officials or anything else you saw when you were on tour? Oh, you know, I, I was lucky, guys. I never got in the middle of any what I call really ugly situations. Uh, I did have a guy that was tapping down spike marks, and he and I almost got in a fight. I've told you that story, so I didn't need an official to do that. So, you know, usually when the officials called in in a situation – with two players having different opinions, it's where a ball might have crossed the line on hazards in situations like that, where you see the ball cross here and your playing partner said, no, nah, I didn't cross there, it crossed here. So that's when the officials have to get involved. And then even then, you know what it comes back to, which is so great about our game? It comes back to the player. He says, I think my ball crossed here. You got to go with him. He's if he's cheating, he's cheating. And I, too, believe that the, the golf gods will get him in the end if he's cheating, okay? But if he sees it one way and that player feels strongly about it and officials, when they come into those kinds of situations, you still got to go with what the player says, whether the other guy likes it or doesn't like it. If that guy says, this is where my ball crossed, you almost got to go with it, unless they have video showing something different, okay? In this case, Morikawa was not fighting it. He was not saying, well, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. No, he said, yeah, I did that. I, I, I didn't know it was a penalty, but I did it. So there wasn't a lot of discussion from that standpoint, was there? Because once it was brought to his attention and his caddy's attention, did you guys do that? Yeah, we did that. So uh, it, it, you hate it, and it, it kind of took away a little bit from the golf tournament. But, again, why is our game so special compared to everybody else's game? Everybody else's game, they're trying to figure out how to cheat. We're trying to keep you from cheating, okay? Whether it's scuffing a baseball or deflating a football or whatever it is, guys, these other sports, they're scumbags. They're going to cheat. If they can cheat, they're going to cheat. Bicycle riders, we all know about that guy, okay? (laughs) They're going to try to cheat. Golfers try not to cheat. That's why I still think our sport, is the greatest sport play. No doubt about it. And you can keep up with all the local golf news of the greatest sport, in Woody's opinion. I think all of our opinions. You can keep up with all the local golf news in Oklahoma with GolfOklahoma.org. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing an awesome job up in Tulsa covering local golf. We obviously had the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame banquet that Kim McLeod puts together. Great stuff on GolfOklahoma.org, not just during the summertime, but all year. Get all of your local golf news from the guys up in Tulsa, Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford, and Golf Oklahoma. Org. One more segment after the break. We're going to talk John Rom here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. 
Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McCrayRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. T-Dub, Woody, last week, the day after we did our podcast, some massive news broke. And it came from one of our friends who we have had on the podcast, Tom from Flushing It Golf on Twitter. You've probably seen him if you're a golf fan on Twitter, breaking golf news and putting out golf content on a daily basis, doing an awesome job. Well, Tom from Flushing It had a scoop, and he tweeted this out last week on November 30th around 3 p.m. Central Time. He said, multiple sources on the player's side have confirmed that John Rahm is a done deal to join the Live Golf League. Also went on to say that it will be announced next week, which is now this week, so the announcement could happen any time, fellas. Uh, Rahm not scheduled to defend his title at the Amex coming up. And so, fellas, this looks to be... Almost a done deal. We're just waiting on the announcement of John Rom to live golf. T Dub, what are your thoughts? This is earth shattering news, if true. Yeah, there's seen to been breadcrumbs that have kind of laid the foundation for it for a little bit. Last time we talked about on this show was when it was announced he wasn't going to be part of the TGL roster, which was a sort of a sign at that point. And then he had the news of him not defending his title at the old Bob Hope, the American Express. So that's another, that's pretty much the done deal there, that that's going to be the case. There's no other reason that anyone doesn't go back and defend the title that they won the year before. Then you have the rumors about the amount. You're seeing $550 million more. There's rumors that he's going to get his own live team, which he should get if he's going there. So what does it do for me? It asks me a lot of more questions about this whole merger thing going on. All of a sudden it's going to happen. Now Rom's going there. So many unanswered questions, Woody. I guess the only thing that we do know now is that live golf got a lot better and PJ Tour definitely took a massive hit. Yeah, when you when you take somebody like the stature of Rom, Cam uh, Smith was big when they they snatched him up. I kind of knew why he did it because of the Australian ties, and he wanted a, a smaller schedule. But Rom has also talked about wanting to play less. Okay. Rom was the perfect guy to pull this trigger because he's exempt for the next five years in all the majors. He's exempt for life at Augusta since he's won. Okay, so the world ranking points don't make a big difference. You know, I was thinking about this, though, guys. When you stop and think about it, and and since I'm semi-retired and, and school teachers don't get bonuses like they should, what if tomorrow, let's just say, just for fun, 
another radio station came to you, Sam, and offered you a million dollars to leave the sports animal to go there. See ya. Now, you got ties. To, <laughs> yeah, well, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've got ties. Your father. You've got a lot of ties that pull you to there. And the reason I throw uh, just a million at you is that's life changing for you, a million dollars. And if you didn't go, I'd have to go, Sam, let me talk to you, pull you over to the side and go, what, think about this for a minute. If those numbers are right, if they're going to offer him 550 to $600 million, his own team, I'm sorry, guys, you, you can't not do that, especially for what I just said. Everybody's talked about, well, these guys aren't getting in majors. He is. He's going to play them all for the next five years. And like I said, the Masters for a lifetime. He'd be crazy if they're throwing that kind of money at him not to do it. Because I think long run, he knows something's going to come together where these two are going to mix back up. And he's willing to roll the dice for $600 million to say, if they don't, I'm good, boys. I'll see you down the road in about 35, I've got more money than I'll ever need, and I'm I'm out of here. Okay, so um, I just threw that hypothetical out there to you, Sam, but so you could relate. And the first words out of your mouth was "I'd see ya," and away you'd go. So um, I don't think with flushing calling it like they did, that guy doesn't usually miss. He's pretty good with him not going to defend, dropping out of the TGL. Uh, you guys, I mean. I'm not the greatest Sherlock Holmes, but if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. Last time I checked, it's a freaking duck. And fellas, okay. add, add this part into it, the fact that obviously John Rahm played golf at Arizona State. Who was the coach when John Rahm was there? Tim Mickelson, who's now caddying for his brother Phil Mickelson on live. Tim Mickelson then left Arizona State to be John Rahm's manager on the PGA Tour before then taking over for Bones on Phil's bag. So there's another connection, you know, to make sense of all this, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. And the connection with Mickelson has been so strong. Who's the one guy through this whole thing, guys, that's not bashed with? John Rahm. That's He's right. not bashed him one time. Not like Rory, not like Tiger, not like Spieth, not like Scheffler. John Rahm has never bashed Liv. Not one time has he ever said anything negative about it. He just said, I don't think it's right for me. I probably won't go there. Okay? But he didn't downtrod him. He didn't beat him up. So, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a duck. It's walking. It's quacking. It's a duck. Yeah, and it definitely made his decision easier, the fact that he now won the Masters and will go back to the Masters regardless. Um, That's a big part of the whole Liv decision. Now, let me ask you guys the question. Now Liv has John Rahm. They have Cam Smith. They have Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson. They have Bryson DeChambeau, who's playing better golf now. They have a ton of star power that's not old and washed up, fellas. Does John Rahm leaving T-Dub make other guys like a Xander or like a Cantlay or maybe even like a guy like Hovland who's never really given an opinion about either side on all of this? Does this move make it easier for another top guy to move over to live as well? Oh, absolutely. In my personal opinion with the news of what happened on June 6th, the PJ Tour essentially going behind all the players back, I'm surprised. Not everyone's not going, especially with the the massive bags they're throwing out. Five hundred and fifty to six hundred million dollars. Like people can't even comprehend how much money that is. It is 
utterly life-changing for the entire lineage of the ROM family is now going to be set and be in the utmost elite category of, of echelons or money. So, yeah, it's something that uh, all other players should do, in my personal opinion, coming up to this point, especially with the uncertainty of the merger going around. So, yeah, definitely makes it easier. And then one other thing that we might as well go ahead and book into Vegas is it was going to be essentially between ROM and Hovland for PGA Tour Player of the Year. I want to go ahead and congratulate Victor Hovland on his Player of the Year award because there's zero chance that Rom gets it after all this. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Didn't think about that one. No, you're right. You're right. But no, Sam. I, but you know, we hinted, guys. I know we hinted at the end of this year. We all said we think there's going to be another big player go, and we questioned will they do it or not because of the merger. Well. Obviously, John Rahm must not think this merger is quite what they all hoped it would be, or that's just so much money he can't turn it down. The next two, because they're already scumbags, is Shoffley and Cantley. I think both those guys could go because I don't trust either one of them to do the right thing anytime. So, um, you know, if you're if you follow the money, the money's going to keep coming. And people are going to keep dropping it until the PGA Tour figures out what they got. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch, guys. Here we go. And fellas, if the report's correct, that would mean that John Rom would be a captain of a completely new team, which adds in another guy like Kepka and like DJ. We could go on down the list of all the captains um, who are looking for that equity. In those teams, when you're a captain, you get equity in that team, and they're still looking for that to be profitable when they come back to the PGA Tour. That's another big name that will be pushing for the team golf element part of this if he is a team captain to be part of whatever plan they have if they do merge eventually in the weirdest merger in the history of golf, T-Dub. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's so many things that still need to be entering this deal. And you just look at the amount of talent that Liv Rostra has. They had a very good last seven days for sure. Joaquin Neiman going down winning in the Australian Open. Dean Burmester winning his second event in South Africa. So, yeah, they're starting to look extremely good, especially with all the top names. Bryson, DJ, Kepka, multiple major champions there. Our man TG has been playing so good. Even someone like Reed, who people love to hate. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what transpires. And I'm a little bit sad that Tulsa's not going to have Live event next year. I would. I loved what we got to see last year. Would have loved to see it again, especially now with Rom on the team. But yeah, it's the equity thing is intriguing because there's so much potential there. And if if things go just a certain direction, if trend lines start moving a certain direction when it comes to what the PGA Tour wants to do and exactly what the golf viewing public wants to see in golf, because it's something that once Tiger starts to fade out over the next hopefully decade or so, but it could happen at any point. You're going to need new ways to attract new viewers. And maybe the team's the way to do it. In my personal opinion, I think that is going to be a way to do it because especially maybe not just in the United States, but globally, it seems like the entire world caught on to the team content. And I think it's something that's going to keep going in that direction. I got to say, guys, that 2024 is going to be quite a show. We've got talk of a rollback of a golf ball, which we've all had these discussions. We'll have to discuss as this year goes further along. We got this now. If John Rom does bolt, which it sure seems like he's going to, you know, how much 
more fun can we have in 2024? We we thought that our podcast would not have a lot to talk about. Well, every time we say that, guess what? We got a lot to talk about. No doubt. And the news in the world of golf moves so quickly now. Yeah, the rollback. We'll have to do an entire show on that, fellas. I mean, <laughs> there's so much to dive into when we start talking about rolling back the golf ball. Mike Wan and the USGA uh, and the PGA Tour, everyone's wanting to roll back the golf ball. But we have plenty of time to discuss the rollback, considering it won't be anytime soon uh, if they end up actually getting that done, which... I hope not on that deal. We'll dive into that in a different show. One last thing that happened in between our last podcast and this podcast was the fact that T-Dub mentioned it. Live Golf is not coming back to Tulsa, Oklahoma next year. They are going to Houston and Nashville instead on June 7th through the 9th in Houston and June 21st through the 23rd in Nashville. Those would have been one of the dates that Tulsa would have received. Uh, I tweeted this out. You know, I said I was hearing a while ago that Liv was looking at the second week of June at Cedar Knot. Obviously, the second week of June being the U.S. Open, the second Sunday in June, the first day of June is is a Sunday. They were looking at that second Sunday in June at Cedar Ridge. I said, I, I guess it didn't come to fruition. Liv did love Oklahoma fans, but Oak Tree is tied up in a contract with the USGA for the 2027 Senior U.S. Open, and then Gallardia was tough to work with and adding Houston and Nashville in June. I mean, obviously there's no time with the U.S. Open. They're not going to play two weeks before the U.S. Open and one week after. They're not going to play three live events in a row and a major in between those. And Taylor Gooch quoted my tweet and said, for all my Oklahoma people, we busted our tail to work with at Concert Golf to get an event at Gallardia and they weren't tough to work with. They were completely unreasonable. I know OKC would have loved the event, so hopefully one day we'll get a live event there for the hashtag 405. T-Dub, any thoughts on Taylor Gooch kind of ripping uh, Gallardia in that tweet? Yeah, that's a clear sign that things did not go the way that they wanted it to, and that's the way the rumblings have transpired. It's sad to see because it's not like last year was a massive failure by any stretch. It was a massive success. I believe it was the largest domestic crowd they had ever that Liv had ever had. So we know how much Oklahoma is craving professional golf. It would have been great to see it come back, but it's a logistical issue, Woody. Those are things that unfortunately transpire in our world. But luckily, I do have a, an old college teammate that lives in Houston. I might just have to go down there that weekend and uh, go show him a little bit because he is one of the few people I know who still hate to live so we need to go out and maybe change his mind about the whole team concept yeah you need to take him down there and let him figure that out uh, uh you know uh, good for taylor though that that there's nothing wrong with calling somebody out when you do what you have to that's right and they don't want to be a part of it well it's okay it's okay to say hey we did everything we could this organization didn't want to work with us okay they've got every right not to work with live if they don't want to live they got every right the owners of Gloria can do whatever they want but people need to know that it was tried and and it wasn't one fault it. that live wanted to come back to oklahoma exactly. and obviously exactly. uh, cedar was doing some construction things i don't know if that would have ever worked out either um so it was down to Gallardia as far as having it in the oklahoma city area and uh it wasn't live that didn't want to do it that's right, and they needed to know. People in Oklahoma City need to know that, okay? 
and let Gillardi tell you why they didn't. I don't know why they didn't want it, but I'm sure they had a reason. But don't put on Liv. Or they were asking for way too much money. Or they were asking for way too much money is what it sounds like. That's called greed, and and that's very prevalent in our society today, okay? But they're they're the guys that need to answer to the people and the golfers of Oklahoma why it isn't out there, okay? Not live. That's exactly right. T-Dub, any final thoughts on that? It'd be interesting to see what he always uses the phrase. I don't want to misphrase it. be a, a mouse in the room or something like that, or a fly on the wall so you could hear what exactly transpired. I would love to know how those meetings went and just know how opposite of ends Gallardia and Liv were because it has to be one of those situations where someone wanted so much more than the other one that they wouldn't even talk about it because it was so outrageous. That's how far apart they were. I guarantee you this wasn't a, a James Harden OKC contract situation. We were talking about just fractions amount of what the total amount was. I guarantee you they were one of them was on Jupiter and the other was on Neptune. That's how far apart they were. And I would have loved to know exactly how much it was. No doubt about it. And obviously most of our listeners are actually not in the Oklahoma City area. So if you are close to one of these locations, I'll read off the live schedule that was announced. You got Mayakoba coming up on February 2nd through the 4th. You have Las Vegas February 8th through the 10th. Uh, Saudi Arabia is earlier in the schedule this year. It's March 1st through the 3rd. Then they go to Hong Kong March 8th through the 10th. They have an unnamed date in the USA as their fifth tournament on April 5th. 5th through the 7th, which will be the week before Augusta. And then they go to Adelaide, which is obviously going to be a party on April 26th through the 28th. Then they go to Singapore, May 3rd through the 5th. Then Houston, Nashville, like we talked about in June. And then Andalusia in Spain, July 12th through the 14th. They go to the UK in uh, July 26th through the 28th. And then they go back to the Greenbrier in West Virginia in the middle of August, fellas. And then they have the individual championship and the team championship. And those venues have not been released yet either. Any thoughts on the rest of the schedule other than obviously the Oklahoma City part and the Houston and Nashville? Well, one thing that's with the news that's transpired over the last week or so with Rom. Let's just think about how that tournament Valderrama is going to be. You're going to have John Rahm and Sergio Garcia, the two modern heroes of Spanish golf there with our man TG defending this title. I absolutely cannot wait for that tournament. That is going to be electric, and I cannot wait to see how the crowds act to that. I don't think they're going to get up to the same standard that Australia was because that was just an epic party of massive proportions. But we'll be interested to see that. Then also, too, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but don't they have a tournament in Vegas as well? Or Do they have one in Vegas, or was that only rumored? Yes, they do have one in Vegas on February 8th through the 10th. Yeah, and I do believe that's the same week as the Waste Management is in Phoenix. So it's going kind of head-to-head to that. So you're going to have a Vegas party versus a Phoenix party. I'm very interested to see which uh, which tournament comes out. Top favorite. There'll probably be Waste Management, but I am interested to see how that Vegas one turns out. Well, obviously, guys, and it's gloves off that they're having their turn at the same time as uh, Waste Management because they've always been trying not to have I live during the same time as PGA. So, man, I guess that, that's pretty much uh, our, our, our Yasser and Greg Norman going, you know what, the, the heck with you guys. We're going to go when we want to go. We, we're not worried about you all. Fellas, good show today. And again, big congratulations to our guy Tom at flushing it. He got a ton of crap last year whenever he is being fair. Like, we got a ton of crap last year 
when we are reporting live news that turns out to fellas be correct and he got the first scoop on John Rom heading to live now I'm looking on Twitter right now nuclear golf and telegraph sport are reporting that John Rom is expected to sign within the next couple days just like Tom said last week and the deal is reportedly worth 550 million US dollars um, so yes it is basically confirmed that our man Tom at flushing it was right on the money congrats Flushing it. Uh, T-Dub, Woody, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast. If you want to follow us on X or Instagram, it's at 73rd Hole on Instagram and at the 73rd Hole on X. And then you can also please hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out whenever we drop a new episode. It will give you notification Uh, We will be back next week, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about after John Rahm signs with Live Golf. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast.